From the Lean Enterprise Institute in Boston, this is the WLEI Podcast, where we share stories of people making the world better through lean thinking and practice. For more information about LEI, including how we can help you apply lean thinking, please visit lean.org. Welcome to the WLEI Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Savas, and today I'm talking with Mary Nell Egan and Lisa Karam from Mass Mutual, the insurance company. Mary Nell is an internal continuous improvement consultant for business and process architecture, and Lisa is a senior business architect. We discuss how Mass Mutual's lean journey has evolved over the last decade, from an approach leading with tools to an approach leading with customer value. And Mary Nell and Lisa also share how they managed to engage leaders who were previously unengaged with lean. Let's jump into the conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the WLEI podcast. I'm your host, Matt Savas, and I'm here with Mary Nell Egan and Lisa Karam from Mass Mutual. Mary Nell and Lisa, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Matt. Uh, well, uh, let's start with just some introductions, give our audience a bit of background about you both. Uh, Mary Nell, could you just offer a brief introduction um, to what you do and, and your background at Mass Mutual? Sure, yes. I'm a continuous improvement consultant. Um, I've been um, working in lean for about eight years. And prior to that, I was um, in our product areas as a paralegal and a relationship manager, and then moved from there into learning and performance. Um, and I was in learning performance for, for quite some time before moving into a continuous improvement role. Okay, Mary Nell and Lisa, your background. Yes, yeah, so I have been in the insurance industry for a very uh, long time. I started out um, with another major carrier, and after several years, I moved into journalism, and I was uh, um, uh, an editor and a writer and a reporter, came back to the insurance industry and was writing for um, marketing and sort of a corporate communications role. I came to Mass Mutual 16 years ago as a marketing person in the product area, and I was uh, asked to work on deploying or teaching and introducing Lean at Mass Mutual in 2011. So for nine years, I was a continuous improvement consultant, consultant being employed by the company. And in 2020, uh, in time for COVID, I became a business architect. So for three years, going on four years, I've been a business architect. Thanks for reminding me of COVID. I forgot that all happened <laughs> three years ago. Um, and uh, I'm familiar with Match, Mass Mutual, but I'm not sure everybody is. Uh, can you just briefly explain what the company what the company does? Maybe Mary now take that. Yeah. So our company was established uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Massachusetts in 1851, and we're a financial services company. We uh, sell life insurance and annuity, mutual funds, uh, and investments. And um, we have approximately 6,000 employees uh, nationwide. So it's it, it's a, a very large company. And um, the, we formed a Center of Excellence uh, back in 2011 to deploy the lean management system. And the responsibility of the um, Center of Excellence was to work with business associates across the enterprise to um, to focus on uh, lean and educate associates on lean. 
And then once uh, once that was completed, uh, the um, some of the uh, lean practitioners who were change agents at the time moved into a continuous improvement role to continue improvement, continue education, and continue in sustainment of improvement incentives. And uh, we'll we'll dive into the details of that of that journey in a bit. But um, Mass Mutual, like you said, it's it's an it's an old company. It's been around for over 150 years. I won't do the math. Embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. It's something probably yeah. like 100 and 100 and oh, now I am doing the math and embarrassing myself. 170 <laughs> years, something like that. 172 <laughs> years. Um, and it's an insurance company, so probably you know naturally risk averse conservative by nature, perhaps, and yeah. uh, not the easiest environment probably for change. Um, but just in general, how, how do you how does change happen inside of Mass Mutual? Is it a company that embraces it? Is it one where it's, uh, you know, getting things started is a bit challenging? What's, what's sort of the, the nature of that environment there? Yeah, so I think uh, change happens uh, when we align improvement but initiatives to strategy. Um, I think part of the challenge that we have here at the company is um, that as you know, financial services industry, similar to administrative, technical, professional organizations, we're organized by departments with um, value streams running across these departments. And so uh, the processes or the steps in the process become very siloed. And teams aren't looking upstream or downstream. Um, you know, they're not focused on that. So the challenge is really trying to get leaders to um, this t- to uh, implement lean thinking together collaboratively. And um, and part of that is really uh, the challenge is just uh, making sure that we align these improvements to strategies. So, so that really does help with um change. That's an important insight. I think that companies often miss and change becomes change for change's sake, um, mm-hmm. rather than solving uh, a business problem, aligning it around strategic objectives. And uh, we'll talk about this later, but getting leaders on board with things that uh, have little to do with the future of the company is, is, is difficult. And so making yeah. sure that those changes are aligned to that is 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 paramount. Um, and we'll get to, to that part of it in just a minute, but I do want to explore a bit of the journey um, you've been on. You said since 2011, began uh, implementing what you call the lean management system. Um, Lisa, you were one of the people tapped for that, uh, coming not from a CI background. Um, you have a quite background, journalism and, and product marketing, not much to do with CI, um, but can you just provide an overview of of what the lean management system, what does that mean inside of Mass Mutual and what the process was like in in implementing that? Sure. So the the whole business system is based on value streams and we can envision it with three loops and it includes things like um, huddles, visual management, problem solving, value stream improvements, um, I don't have the visual in front of me, so I'm not reading. But mm-hmm. Coaching, coaching leaders, um, the dialo concept, which is the time blocking. So we have a variety of tools that if all of them are implemented, that this would be considered our entire business system. 
uh, I would say over the years, interest might have waned in, in practicing lean. So some leaders definitely embraced it. And then others, I think there was a level of resistance because it might have been a bit prescriptive and it wasn't, it, uh, it, it didn't really um, meet their needs and wasn't really sort of speaking their language. And then consider too that in a company of our size, we have turnover, natural turnover. I mean, let's be clear, many people stay here for decades, as Mary now has demonstrated. Um, but as new people come on board, they're not familiar necessarily with the mass mutual business system as we've described it. They may not be familiar with lean. And so training them is one of the jobs that we might be doing. But embracing the culture of lean, that's, that's the, the challenge, right? And so if you're a leader coming into the organization, you may or may not want to mm. use these tools. And you're not constricted to use them. You're not required to use them. Um, your, your teams might want to use them, but if the leader isn't fully engaged and, and using and embracing the system, it just, it might not be as effective as it can be. Mm. So it sounds like um, it's been doing embarrassing math again. 12 years <laughs> since uh, Mass Mutual began its journey, and there was this business system that was architected and, and, and put in place. And it sounds like there may have been um, a sort of gap in interest, maybe at the frontline level, uh, the, the use of the tools, the devices. Does that continue to be strong while it's sort of um, mixed at the leadership level? Is is that sort of? Well, I I think we did, like Lisa pointed out, did have a lot of rigidity around uh, using tools and focusing on tools. Then we realized, uh, you know, this wasn't working. So we took a step back and now we focus more on what's the value that we're bringing? What's the value of continuous improvement? Um, and I think part, part of that uh, has been, and then how do we fit in? into the strategy? How do we make sure that we're uh, any kind of uh, lean initiative is tied into the strategy? So, so, so we have various ways that we've done that. Um, you know, we, we do some, uh, we, we, we put together an engagement charter uh, to ensure that uh, we outline the goals of any improvement initiative. Uh, what, mm. what is, what, what's the problem we're trying to solve? How does this fit into strategy? And um, so that, has that has helped that has raised the level of um of our engagements to focus on the strategy and then of course okay. some of the work that ba does business architecture and, as well okay I'd, li I'd like to clarify that because i think it is an area um where a lot of people struggle um you often see i'll admit i find it a little bit frustrating actually you see uh People point to leadership as the problem and getting leaders on board. If there's no leadership support, there's no there's no chance at successful transformation. I, th I think that that is true and not true at the same time. And the reason I get frustrated is because I think people externalize. Uh, uh, it it keeps them from reflecting on what what's in their control. Right. But anyway, we're not here really to talk about that. <laughs> it was just me editorializing. But I am curious. So this is a problem that a lot of people face. How do you, how do you get leaders to participate? 
and and come on board. And what I found interesting about your approach was you did something about it. You saw leaders weren't so engaged, and so you designed a process to figure out how continuous improvement could meet their needs and be relevant for their role mm-hmm. as leaders. Um, and you you call this business architecture. Um, Lisa, you're one of the business architects, but could you just give an overview of what what does business architecture mean and what is the process around aligning uh, change or continuous improvement with, with strategy? So business architecture is, uh, at Mass Mutual, business architecture is embedded in the business area. So in the industry, it's often embedded in enterprise architecture, which is more of an IT function. So we're sort of unique. We established business architecture in around 2000, but it did sit in IT. So in, uh, I would say about five years ago, we established my business architecture team in the business area. And business architecture is based on really business capabilities. So in the truest sense, business architecture takes a vertical view of the business as opposed to sort of the horizontal value stream. So we have a variety of tools that we use, which I will not get into here. But the main thing that we ask business leaders who come to business architecture for some help, we ask them what their strategy is. And we call that true north. Because if they don't have a vision and they don't have a defined strategy, it is very difficult to execute and to um, help them to focus on their capabilities, right? So if your strategy is, I want to deliver status notifications to every client every day, every two hours, but your systems are not set up to do that, um, that's where there's a disconnect between uh, a true north and an execution. And that might not have been the best example, but I think you get the idea. So trying to, to marry the vision with the practical reality of how you realize the vision. Correct. Correct. And then we often say that if the time to call business architecture or when leaders call in business architecture is if they need an operating model, if they need to transform the way they're working, if they have work that has strategic value, if it's something that pertains to the corporate pillars, um, if there's something wrong with, but they just can't put their finger on it, Mm. we will come in and have that conversation. Um, Often a leader will have too many projects. This happens actually more often than one might think, too many projects, too many priorities, doesn't really know what to focus on. And maybe the teams are a little confused and deciding what their priority should be when that might not be the priority of the department, of the unit, or you know, perhaps of the company. So, so those are some of the, the reasons to call business architecture in. Um, that we work with the leaders to articulate that, what we call the true north. And what's the, how does it, is it like a workshop or is it, uh, how do you actually yep. do this? That That's a great question. Um, it can be a variety of things, but it does start with a conversation with the leader 
to ask them, do you have a strategy? Where do you need to go? What is your vision? And they may have something that they already have established. Like we, we did work with one leader in the company who clearly had strategic pillars for her enterprise. If they don't, we'll ask them with a variety of a conversation, a template of a brief interviews with their leadership team, so their direct reports, and any kind of existing artifact or existing work that they've done. We take that all in and we assess it and we do an analysis and then we come back to the leader and we'll say, based on what you've told us, based on what your leaders have told us, you know, based on all of the body of information that we have, well, does this seem like a true north to you? And we'll articulate that back. And that might be a conversation, that might be sessions, we may be going back and forth on that, but it gives the opportunity for a leader to really think through mm. what are they doing and what, what does good look like? What does their vision look like? Because if they can't define it, their team doesn't know where they're going. Mm. So sort of, a, it sounds like you're a collaborative partner in helping leadership. Yes. Thought partner. Create yeah. I think, create the strategy. Yeah. I think what business architecture does is it provides a, a holistic view of the organization's infrastructure and then where their capabilities are strong and where they're weak. And then that sort of steps, that's the stage for um, improvement. Well, let's talk about that a bit. So the the idea of marrying, you know, the the practical nature of execution with the strategic vision, that all makes sense. But how does how does continuous improvement, how does that come into it, Marinelle? Is that is that part of the execution phase or how does that work? Yeah. So once um once they've established um the capabilities of the organization and where there's opportunities to improve, where are they weak? Um, mm-hmm. Like Lisa said, I, I want I, I want this to happen, but you know, we, we can't get there because we don't have X, Y, Z. So then um, the continuous improvement team comes in, and uh, they help through, you know, mapping out the process or. You know, focusing on problem solving to, you know, why are we weak in that area? Uh, what can we, what countermeasures can we put in place to improve this particular skill or this particular uh, problem uh, so, so that you can realize your true north? So that's how okay. continuous improvement that would come in. So it's, it sounds almost like a, like a classic uh, current state versus future state gap analysis where you have the strategic vision as the future state. And then as part of that, you're assessing where's the organization at currently and where we use the word weak, where we weak uh, in our pursuit of realizing that vision. And that's where CI can come in and and help build some capability or skills. Okay. That's right. And, and we, you know, using lean thinking, lean philosophy, um, that type of thing. But I think, I think the benefit is that when le- by the time continuous improvement comes in, um, the leadership now is can see that there's a gap. And so it makes it easier for the lean practitioners to come in and um, dive right in and start doing some problem solving and, you know, value stream mapping and 
brainstorming countermeasures as opposed to trying to sell them on the whole idea of improvement. They already know they need to improve. So, because you define a problem. Exactly. Right. And because they, 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 they see, they see these, uh, uh, value chain maps that the business, uh, architectures put in place and they can see, okay, this is where we're gapped. And they, mm. and because it, it ties right to their strategy, mm. now they're ready to, to improve. I was just going to add that, as I had mentioned, the business capabilities, when we, when we do that heat map of those capabilities, it's sort of, we refer to it as capabilities-based problem solving. And it points, it points right into the direction of where the health is, is red. It might not go mm. deeply into that. It's not meant to. So when when the continuous improvement experts come in, they dig very deep into that capability and zone right in on what is actually happening. So that's the complementary relationship of sort of this capabilities-based problem solving and executing with lean. So this all goes back to that earlier point you were making about, you know, the interest by le in leadership. Was, was waning, this was a method to try to re-engage them. Uh, how has that been? I know, Lisa, you during, during 2020, during COVID, so we all got to give you a break for that year. It's a tough year. But um, what's been the response from leadership? The experience that we've had is that this, the business architects are now perceived as sort of trusted partners, and we're sought out to to work with the leader. So I think in the five years that we've been practicing business architecture here, we really earned the trust of the top leadership at MassMutual. Um, so we have an executive leadership level and a senior leadership level. And I think we've engaged with just about um, someone from all of those teams. Um, they appreciate that we start with strategy. Hmm. We don't start we don't start mapping. We don't start. Um, we don't use our tools right away. We just start with strategy, and we're speaking in a lexicon that they understand. Right? We're working with leaders and speaking their language. And I think one of the outcomes of our what we define as deployment is that we used terminology that is related directly to lean, and this may or may not have resonated with some of our leaders. Um, I can give you a personal example of when I was coaching one of our uh, leaders and I said, uh, we're good, let's go to the Gemba and we'll, you know, blah, blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he turned to me and said, Lisa, don't you ever use that word with me again, I swear. And it wasn't in a mean way because, you know, we had a good relationship, but it is indicative of the resistance of some of that terminology. So business architecture doesn't use that. And, you know, one of the appeals is that we work with leaders speaking their language, uh, recognizing what's important to them and not being as prescriptive as we might have been in, in the past. Well, no, I was just going to add, I think, um, your question in terms of uh, has how have leaders responded, I think, our our team collectively really um, kind of meets uh, the leaders uh, where they're at and and connect with their unique uh, strategic and managerial responsibilities. So 
I think we've evolved to treat um, leaders as our customers and focus on what matters to them, what they value, what keeps them up at night. Um, and, and so when we are doing, you know, go and seize um, or presentations or communications, our focus is um, more on what they value as opposed to, as, as Lisa's uh, pointed out, the lean um, terminologies and things like that. So, you know, instead of telling somebody that, oh, we want to look at waste in the process, so we're going to go to the Gemba, it's more, you know what, we want to focus on how can we improve lead time? How can we improve quality? So we're focused on what what really they value and what matters to them. I love everything you said there. That was fantastic. You know, um, so much, so much, a lot to break down there. A lot of things worth revisiting. So the terminology thing, that's an easy one. But Elia is part of that problem, by the way. We're the ones who uh, took all those Toyota words. So a lot of these are Toyota words, by the way, that normal mm -hmm. Japanese yes. people don't use. Um, and I know this because I lived <laughs> there and I once spoke Japanese. And even I, wow. I, I remember I was in business school and uh, my operations professor started speaking Japanese. He was saying Kaizen and Gemba and all this stuff. And I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard. And I lived in Japan for five years. How can people possibly be using these words in everyday business? But sure enough, they do. And it can be off-putting. Um, it, it can alienate people. You have to learn a new language and it, it can be silly. But I think the most important thing you know you said there is treating leaders uh, like your customers. Back to the, the point I was making earlier, the one that sort of frustrates, frustrates me, um, rather than you know blaming leaders for failure, I, you know, you decided to change the approach. Mm -hmm. What can we do to help them? Because if you're going to help somebody, if you actually help somebody, they're probably going to want more help. But right. if you say you're there to help and what you offer is not help, they're probably not going to ask for more help. Right. So um, that's uh, it's it's a it's a great lesson. Um, you know, how can we be helpful? And you're right. Focusing on real problems that matter. Focus on lead time. Focus on not about, uh, you know, 5Sing your desktop or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, right. You know, it's about how can we make, uh, you know, the customer experience better, make our products better and um, make uh, workers' lives easier. Mm -hmm. um, and, all, you know, back to the point here, you know, start with the strategy. Start with the problem. You have to start with the clear problem to solve. And, you know, we find that if you do that, it's easier to build alignment. I was struck by what you said there, Lisa, that um, you know leaders started pulling on you once they saw that you were there to help them. They could see the problem. Okay, we see the problem is clear where we want to go, where we're at. We do need help. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of a lot of great lessons there. I am curious, and um, you know we've been speaking in largely general terms, but uh, Lisa, can you? provide uh, maybe an example, something that could illustrate in, in more detail some of the concepts that we've been talking about? Sure, absolutely. So we have one uh, use case, and I will try to be as generic as possible so that check can get us in here. Um, so business architecture was brought, uh, we, we brought leaders together in, in different areas. So I think I can name the areas which are product operations and sales. So these are teams that do work together, but um, maybe not always. So we brought them together to align on what their true north tenants were 
uh, pertaining to launching uh, not only a new product, but a new uh, sort of division of the company. So we were forming new teams to support this new new product, okay? And um, this North Star was then used to prioritize and provide transparency on what was actually being delivered. So all the subtasks in there, we were hitting against the North Star, North Star to say, does this support that or does it not? And it also provided transparency because the business areas thought they were getting things they weren't necessarily getting. So the transparency w- was super important and IT was using it to prioritize. So there's an example of how we were working with IT, even though we're not IT. And then we were using visual management, which is part of Lean, to show where we were, the progress to True North, and what the experience journey, we didn't talk about journeys, but those are very important. So our continuous improvement team designed and implemented that operations model. And they used all the tools, what demanding capacity, the staffing models, standard work, to set up that business. And because of that interaction between the two teams, this is a prime example of the power of this hybrid approach. Nice. Well, it sounds like you did a couple of things. One is it, it broke down a, a high-level vision to the actionable tasks that needed to get done, but then also aligned sort of cross-functionally because you need the whole organization to participate in the completion of those tasks. So right. uh, sort of uh, both um, vertical alignment and cross-functional alignment. Absolutely. Right. And a way to manage it. Most important. So I I am curious, uh, as a company that's been doing this now for over a decade, um, what are some of the key lessons learned? You know, if you could go back to 2011, uh, when you were first kicking all of this off, what what would, would you, what would you change? What would you do differently? I'll maybe I'll start with uh, Mary Nell again, and then ask Lisa. Yeah, I think. Um... And, and I was part of the change team for a very long time. And our approach, we, we delivered quickly um, because it was a strategic initiative. The lean ma- deployment, lean management, deploying a lean management system was a strategic initiative. So we deployed very, very quickly. So we, we didn't necessarily always have people on board. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they weren't they hadn't accepted the change. It was it was just moving too fast. We had a lot of resistance. But, um, you know, rather than stepping back from that, we just kept, you know, focusing on delivering the tools. How many pieces of standard work do you have? How many problems are you solving? And we didn't really focus on why are we doing this? Um, you know, what was what was the need for change? Where, you know, so that be, that, that I think if, if we had to step back. Um, and I think probably just as part of this whole conversation is to explain more of how this lean management system fit into strategy, mm-hmm. because you had, you had, uh, you had this team going across the company, but you probably didn't hear as much from executives as you needed to, in terms of why this, you know, why we need to deploy. Uh, this lean management system. How are we going to use the lean management system? What's the value to our organization? Mm. So I think now, you know, with any engagement, we have a 
we have a, a engagement model and we make it very clear when we work on this improvement initiative, what's the value of the initiative, how it fits into strategy, what are the goals, what does good look like um, when we're finished, and then a, a, a robust sustainment plan. And Lisa, anything you would add to that? Practicing lean at a financial services company is very different than practicing mm-hmm. lean at a company that actually might be manufacturing something or the healthcare industry. And so that lack of familiarity is to like, what's in, what's the whiff on like, what's in it for me? I don't, I don't get it. You know, we sell promises on paper. So I don't think people really quite understood how, how it would benefit us. I mean, of course it does. There's no doubt about it. We've definitely gained efficiencies and and all kinds of benefits from it. But I don't think that the initial deployment reached like what we refer to as hearts and minds. And so people didn't understand how it could benefit them as, as, as much as it could. And we were resistant to making changes. So like we were both tools, 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 and, you know, do this, do that. I mean, stuff that is important, but like if, if you don't have a hook for like mm. why, as Narinell is talking about strategic alignment and stuff like that, that's what we call the frontline employees who are actually doing the work, it, it doesn't resonate. So uh, that that's what I would add to the, like, if we could do it differently. But in fact, we are doing it differently, right? So we are yeah. we're getting a do-over sort of right now where we have this hybrid model but where we, you know, determine is it is this pure continuous improvement lean or is there an element here that we need to work with the leader first? Is it business architecture? What is the, you know, our intake is different now, right? It's like, what is the thing that we're trying? Like, why are you calling us? What's really going on? And it's that kind of language that we talk to them in. Well, I appreciate and the I, evolution. Sorry, go yeah, ahead, Mary Nell. Well, I was just going to add that just to kind of showcase how we have evolved. We do have a um, a lean uh, what, do, what do you call it? Lean, a lean designation program that uh, associates who want to apply for the designation and show how they've applied uh, lean thinking through projects and um, problem solving. So that and our leaders are embracing that. So that shows that we have really, um, you know, come full circle with this. I would just say that the the hybrid approach that we're using now is given the team, our teams, re-energy, right? So I think that when we get to work together, like if I'm working with directly with Mary Nell or someone from her team or some, we're energized because our approach is fresh. We're going someplace where we're wanted. We're not, I don't want to say forcing ourselves, but it's not like, you know, we're working in an area that's lukewarm to to the things that we're doing. So I think you know, one of the benefits is that we are getting better, we are getting stronger, we are learning, and the lean designation, the internal designation program that Mary now mentioned, yeah, is an example of like we're working together, people are getting energized, and so that would be the one thing that I would I would stress is that I think it makes us more effective in our roles. Not that we weren't effective before; we were great. Yeah, no, no, no I I agree. Uh, just piggyback off just on the 
projects that I've worked on from a BA continuous improvement perspective, I feel that I am um, developing my skills. I think I'm a stronger continuous improvement person as a result of it. I think it's been a real development opportunity. So I definitely mm -hmm. agree with you, Lisa. And I do think we are putting to get out a better product. Well, thank you, Mary Nell and Lisa, for joining me here on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, really fun. Thank you. Thanks to Mary Nell and Lisa for joining me here on the podcast. Before we wrap up, a quick promo for our summit. If you'd like to learn and connect with lean leaders working to transform their organizations, then join us at the Lean Summit this March in Carlsbad, California. If you register by January 31st, you save a few hundred bucks on your registration. You can learn more at lean.org slash summit. Thanks to you all for listening. Until next time.